0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pornhub Podcast. This is your host, Asa Akira. I don't know why I never, ever mentioned that. Um, Maybe I don't need to. Maybe I should. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) our guest today is Elle Stanger, aka Stripper Writer. She is a sex educator, a stripper, a writer, a mom, an activist, and somewhat of a social media celebrity. Uh, Her Instagram is at stripperwriter, and she has an incredible page, but that is actually not how I discovered her. I discovered her through her writing. Um, Some of the things she's written about, sex, motherhood, and sex work, have changed my life, really, and I've been wanting to get her on the Pornhub podcast for a while now, So I was super excited to interview her. Uh, We talked about motherhood, sex, sex work. um, You know, as two people who have been in pretty much every avenue of sex work, uh, we were able to have a really cool conversation about um, the hierarchy, the interfighting, the, um, you know, issues surrounding consent and all that good stuff. So, um, hope you enjoy. So you are a stripper, a sex educator, a writer, a mom, an activist, a social media celebrity. <laughs> um, but you also, yeah, that's a lot of hats to wear, but you also kind of don't do any of those things traditionally. Hmm. Um, have you always been like this
1: super unconventional person or? I love this intro. You're really helping me reframe myself as I like age gracefully into my mid thirties. Cause I'm really, no, I'm serious. I'm just talking to my therapist about this and I'm like, what is my brand? You know, like, who am I? Like, I know what I believe in the whole goal of my Instagram and ever talking about sex was, um, to kind of reduce shame and to feel, Feel some kind of connection, I guess, to people who had gone through similar things. Um, Like, I'll jump right off in saying that I remember being a child, and this will loop into parenting later. I remember being a child, and my neighbor girlfriend um, asked me, "What does masturbation mean?" And she was like a year or two younger than me. I was probably like eleven. I'd been masturbating since as long as I could remember to self-soothe. Like, I'd tell my mom, "Like, I'm going to go read or whatever," but she'd find me humping my elephant, my stuffed elephant um same uh, yeah so chronic masturbator for life in a very healthy way i think in terms of context is what i needed explaining as a kid but i i i remember my friend asked me that and i was like oh my gosh like i feel like i can explain this to her but no one's ever explained this to me and so i said it's kind of like having sex but with yourself which like holy shit for an 11 year old that's like the that's still that's what it is right It's really profound, actually. Thank you. (laughs) Like, I
0: I don't even know that I would describe it that way now, but that's exactly what it is.
1: I mean, yeah, we call it solo sex, you know, because people could be totally abstinent or celibate, or they could have really rich sex lives with themselves. It depends on, you know, a lot of things. But yeah, so then I remember telling my friend that and my sister who was there and she was, she's three years younger than me. So the age gap, we're all kind of similar, but I'm the oldest. And she was like, ew, because she's my sister. So like, I think that's the natural reaction. You know, you don't want to hear your family members talk about arousal. I don't know if that's like something we're evolutionary hardwired for or what, but I think that's like an ew for a lot of us. Like, I don't want to think about you doing that. And I felt this like hit of shame, like, oh God, gross. Like I said too much, you know? And I was like, yeah, ew, is what I said. And Mm -hmm. so then my friend who had asked in the first place, we all agreed like, ew, having sex with yourself is gross. and that mm-hmm. was a product. I think of what we'd inherited from society telling us that it was gross. You know, that was the unhealthy thing.
0: Which is crazy. Cause even like, even at that young of an age and you know, where one of you didn't even know what masturbation was at all, already you had received the message. Masturbation is gross. Mm-hmm. And we all fucking do it. So that's,
1: Mm -hmm. That's the
0: craziest part. I also grew up with a lot of shame around masturbation. And I've also been doing it for as long as I can remember as a self-soothing thing, which is, you know, something I only learned as an adult, too. I I didn't even know that children do masturbate to self-soothe, not even as a sexual thing, just because Mm -hmm. it feels good. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I learned that as an adult. But like, I also got the message from my mom, you know, that masturbation is gross and bad and you shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But like, why? Why Why is that the message?
1: Why does that happen? Right. And you know what? A lot of people didn't receive that message, but I think many of us did because we don't mm-hmm. teach parents because our parents weren't taught. And so the cycle continues. Mm-hmm. Like I had my mom on like a bonus episode of my former podcast, um, Strange Bedfellows. Um, and she said that her mother who birthed five children, okay, and was married to my grandpa for her entire life. When my mom got her period at the age of like 12 or no, whatever it was her mom handed her a sanitary pad napkin, you know, and said, now put this on and don't ever let anybody touch you there. was the only advice she gave her, right? So unhealthy, yeah. Right, so, and it comes from like, you know, a lot of this culture is based in Puritan, like Puritanical roots and control and um, like fear-mongering about what could happen if you let someone in there. So the messaging rather what we're trying to like, You know, myself and many other people, whether you've been formally trained in sex education or not, um, are trying to send the messaging that it's great that you found a way to make yourself feel good. That's really important and healthy. However, there's times that are appropriate for this, not around, you know, Mm -hmm. other people or like in the grocery store or (laughs) in the Mm -hmm. middle of that. Yeah. So Yeah, that's
0: a much, much healthier approach, I think, to masturbation. So you had this like really shameful experience early on, Mm -hmm. um, quote unquote shameful, not that it should Mm -hmm. have been, but like, so for you, like even from that early on, like what was the goal always to like become an educator or was it to just normalize things that we see as shameful? Was it like, like what kind of kid were you?
1: I mean, I was a nerdy, really isolated kid who like probably knew the answer to the question, but like wasn't going to raise their hand because, oh my God, people are looking at me. Like I ate sixth grade, like last day of school lunch in the bathroom by myself because I was so afraid of people, mm-hmm. I didn't understand them. I've always been kind of like an a social weirdo. And so, um, also, I was about to get tested for autism as an adult, um, because I think that might be some keys to things, but then pandemic happened, so I'm going to revisit that. But I know that my brain, like, functions in these ways. It loves to categorize and analyze, and um, so I've just, you know, go where your interests lie, and I've always just been interested in sex. So, even if I was or wasn't having it, but, like, I just noticed a lot of cultural problems created by our lack of ability to talk about these things in straightforward, you know, no shame manners. Like can you imagine if you told everybody as a child like, you know, if you have a vagina, you'll probably get a yeast infection at least once in your life and maybe seasonally and that's okay, mm-hmm. you know. Drink more water, mm-hmm. eat what's healthy, like but no, when that happens, you have, you know, kids like myself who Like factually speaking, it's pretty common for your first sexual encounter if you have a vagina to have some kind of irritation afterwards because there's a lot of bacteria that's introduced to, right, the pH can change. So my first consensual pleasurable experience with another person my age, I was so afraid for like the two weeks after that I had an STI, you know, and there was a lot of shame with that. I was like, oh my God, what happened is like what they said would happen, you know, that I, I didn't wait till marriage. And now I like, I might be broken. Like, Oh my God, what a way to live, you know? Mm-hmm. So,
0: it's, it's, and there's so many levels to what you just said, because on one hand, there's the whole thing where you even thought you had an STI just simply because you had started being sexually active. And that's just what happens. It You know, mm-hmm. you're changing things down there. And then also like, on the other hand, the shame around STIs in general, right? It's like, It's Mm -hmm. so crazy that it's perfectly socially acceptable to catch a cold or to pass a cold even, you Mm -hmm. know, but you know, God forbid you catch gonorrhea or give gonorrhea. That's like so much shame around that. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially, it's the same. It's, it's a cold on your genitals, right?
1: I mean, so it's in the family of herpes, herpes, shingles. mm -hmm. They're all related. The first time a doctor told me that, I was like, oh, wow, like I feel way less ashamed. Like I Mm -hmm. get, who gets cold sores? We call them cold sores on our mouths. Oral herpes, that's herpes simplex one, right? People don't Mm -hmm. talk about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then as somebody who works in contact as safely as I can and is um, non-monogamous, like I don't have a ton of sex with different people, but the fact that I have sex at all, I've told myself I may very well, contract, um, type two, you know? So how do we like be proactive and discuss with our partners? And, um, but yeah, there's so much to that. And people think that being sexual means that you are just being without any responsibility, but to really take charge of your sexuality as a giver provider, you know, self-soother, like you need to be informed and just so Mm -hmm. many people given that opportunity. So of course we're running around hurting each other Emotionally, mm. you know, sex like warfare, really, <laughs> relationship mm-hmm. anarchy, warfare.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. It, it's really interesting that, to me, that also that you said that you were actually like you find yourself to be like. um,
1: is, Did you say antisocial? I yeah. So I'm an introvert, which is we- a surprise. <laughs>
0: surprise yeah it's a huge surprise one because of your social media presence but also you know I think that's pretty common but also I'm more surprised because you're a stripper and I find I've I used to dance as well and I find that it is it was really hard for me because I am also an introvert and like I like to choose when I'm social and when I'm not and like stripping I found like me in the scenario a lot where like I had to be social and I had to be like not only social but like I had to be the aggressor right in that way I had mm-hmm. to be the initiator because a lot of people who came in were also introverts and I had to be the conversation starter so I, I think that, that's really surprising to me that Mm-hmm. you are that way. Do you find that
1: like hard or? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's why they call it work, right? <laughs> Sex work is work. <laughs> and this is why people, this is why we medicate with like alcohol. Or for me, it's been weed for the last two years. I I have alcoholism in my family. I grew up drinking hard alcohol. I never, t- I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never done cocaine, but totally an alcoholic. I've been dry for two years. Um, I've had about eight ounces, um, half of that in the pandemic, but being realistic. Um, but mostly I'm a dry drunk who just smokes weed, right? But it's so effing hard to like I mean, even if you're on your best day, but to approach like table after table of total strangers. Yeah. Who utter dicks to you who won't tip you.
0: It's it's actually like kind of an introvert's worst nightmare because not only is it like you're not being social with your friends or people you know, and the the risk of rejection is very high. Like mm-hmm. you could, I would say at least half the time you go up to a table and you ask them if they want company, and the answer is no, some form of no, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that's scary. Or even like I don't want a lap dance is also a rejection. Like it's,
1: mm-hmm. yep. So yeah. how do you get over it, weed? <sighs> I know, right? Weed helps. Well, so when I so I I was um, I was married to my daughter's father, and he is eleven years older than I. So I was like twenty four, twenty five. And I was like, you know what, we should try to have a baby now because I know I'm career oriented and I just want to like have more energy. You're not getting any younger. So we're like, all right, we're going to get pregnant. So um, I was trying to have a baby. So I was sober working in the club for a while. And then when I conceived, I had two miscarriages early trimester, which is very normal, very common. Mm-hmm. Um, people, so don't know 33%
0: that. by the way.
1: Yeah, very much. Yeah. And and they say it could be more. They don't know. Um, Mhm. Oh, it makes uh,
0: sense. Yeah, because I'm sure a lot of people don't want to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Or if you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I have a really heavy period, but you didn't notice you were late or anything. Mhm. Uh, mhm. Mhm. Right. So the point there is no shame around miscarriage, um, or abortion. Uh. So when we conceived, um, I worked until I was 17 weeks pregnant, and you could not tell. Um, which was a benefit because I didn't want strangers asking me any personal stuff. Yeah. Stomach, you know. But I learned, I was like, all right, you know what, if I'm going to be good at this, I have to be able to do it sober. And now's the time. So I was motivated to like make money for the kid that I was about to have. Um, And I just really developed kind of, you have to find what works for you, but kind of like a little bam, bam, bam point list of like, hi, nice to meet you. Have you been here before? Oh, you have or haven't, you know, and it's like, choose your own adventure. And after like maybe a song, I would ask if they were interested in either coming to the stage or the dance room and then I could kind of figure out, but I just had to go through like, okay, 10 people. And like one of them might say yes. And there's that saying in stripping that it only takes one. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And that one could, which is to say it only takes
0: that one customer to make your whole night. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm, Exactly. So yeah. So it just sucks me dry though. That is a hard job. Tip the strippers.
0: So you kind of like followed a script or you follow a script is yeah, kind of yeah. how you look at it. Yeah. yeah. That's that's really smart. I think, yeah, that's really hard for stripping is I, I, I don't.
1: Yeah. So I developed a system and it's funny. So you asked me before how I just got into so many different avenues. Um, I just have a lot of energy and if I don't run myself ragged by the end of the day, I won't sleep. Um, I think it's genetic. My mom and dad are both the same way. Um, that's been another fun part in like deconstructing how I do my sex work is like being honest with myself and my limitations. So, um, yeah, just all kinds of deep, deep uh, like growth stuff lately. But it's really important to that- like, be able to to diversify your sex work if you can. You know, pandemic, if it's taught me anything, like we can't rely on anything. We have to.
0: Mm-hmm
1: you know, be like nature and kind of go roll with the punches.
0: Yeah, for sure. What as, as someone who has, you know, had their hand kind of in every aspect of sex work, like what do you find the most fulfilling?
1: Um, fulfilling. So I've done, or is it the total sum? Yeah, no, I'm trying to think. I've done non sexual cuddling, which can still be sexual in nature. Um, I've never been a successful sugar baby because I'm not good at pretending like I need help. So, and there is a certain aspect of like hustle to that where it's like, I need the daddy. And like, I can't, I just can't do it. They see right through me. They're like, Ew, you're an extreme type A Virgo. Like, fuck off. Um, Escorting is nice because there's less rejection because you know what you're both there for, you know? So, I've,
0: I've also tried like pretty much every form of sex work and I will say being a sugar baby, like is the hardest fucking job I've ever had in or out of sex work. It's, it's, yeah, an, it's like you're bear. on standby 24 seven.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: it's You have to become a different person for that one entirely. You know, you don't go home from that one really. Um, and you know, I, I actually, I wanted to ask you, like, do you, believe not in your heart, but more like societally, like, is there a sex work hierarchy?
1: Um, I mean, do we see these like roles and interactions play out time and again between people in different levels uh, due to classism? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I find that I I find that a lot, you know, having been in every, Mm -hmm. uh, having tried out every form of sex work, like I do find that in each community I find that there's definitely like an othering of other types of sex work and it's Mm -hmm. very like oh I I a lot of people don't even identify as sex workers because of that um I think Mm -hmm. you know like a lot of people think porn is okay but um escorting is not or stripping is okay but porn is not or like you know I I think there's a lot of like in intersex work fighting yes Um, do you find that to be true?
1: Yes. And I realized that more when I was doing full service. Like when I, so working in seven or so different clubs around Portland only, but three to four times a week for 11 years. Okay. Only taking six months off between my pregnancy and my birth. Like I, I went back six weeks postpartum. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to make some money because I was good at it, you know, and I like dancing. I know, right? And I had a fucking cesarean. You're not even supposed to do that. Don't take my oh advice. Oh, my God. yeah that's crazy you are an actual
0: superwoman
1: no i'm i'm a robot and don't take my advice so what happened here's a real quick segue is um i was probably six months postpartum and i had been strapping myself into this little corset thingy so people couldn't see any of my scar um, and a lot of it was not a body shame thing. It was a, like, I don't want people to be like, Oh, how old's your baby? And that is the jump off for our interaction. Like, I don't want to, I, that's not my hustle. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was like, strap myself in and I, I had went to one of my tattoo artists who does not want me to say their name and was like, don't tell anyone I'm doing this for you. You're supposed to wait a year. But we tattooed over the scar with this little like garter belt thing. So I have this abstract like garter belt on my body. Yeah, I was insane. I was like squeezing my my leaking breasts out between sets into my t-shirt. And like, I'm like, don't worry, there's like great, like, uh, there's there's a, bacteria stuff in here. don't worry. Uh so I was like making I wanted to make money, I wanted to move, I wanted to be around other like beautiful people. Um, and I like the adrenaline, like the stories. Um, but so anyway, so a f- couple years after that, um, I wanted to start doing full service. Um, and I realized that I had the privilege to choose to do it because I was interested to see if I could, you know, and it, and it wasn't like a, this is a last. Mm. So that was very humbling. Yeah. Like the, you're the literal- so right.
0: That is a total privilege.
1: Yeah. I went to yeah. the hotel, to my client and there was a cop car out front and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to re- get arrested. And I thought. No, I'm probably not because I'm a white lady dressed nicely. Like they're not looking for me, you know? So, and I dabbled in escorting and that's why I have the utmost respect for people who like have to hustle full time through agencies or whatever, because like, it's very emotional and can be very risky, valuable work to touch bodies with strangers until even they can become regulars, but no regular is safe. I'll say that to any industry.
0: Mm-hmm. especially because it's illegal, right? There's literally right. zero protection. Right. Exactly. Why I mean, obviously that. like drink for sure. Absolutely. Like that. I don't think there's any question as I don't think you could ask any sex worker that question and they would say
1: no, mm-hmm. but, um, so when I started, do, like, are there any questions? Sorry. What?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no. Please go ahead. No, no, no. Go yeah. On.
1: So to your to your question, noticing the hierarchy. So when I started doing full service by choice, recognizing that privilege, um in a city might I add that does not actively um, arrest sex workers, um but they will arrest clients and pimps. I'm talking about Portland. This is what they say. Um, so kind of a Nordic model approach, which is still not not great. um. I made it a point to tell my fellow strippers only or like nude models only because I realized that the jokes in the dressing room would be made about, you know, like girls that like do more and do extra and like gross mm-hmm. and blah. So I had to be like, you know, I do that, but I don't bring it in the club because the club isn't equipped to deal with it and I don't wanna like bring that shit on you guys personally. You know, and it was really an interesting reframe. Um, and I've noticed in the last five years, it's become a lot more acceptable for strippers and sugar babies and cam girls to be like, "Yeah, I do full service." You know, so
0: for sure, definitely. I, I mean, and you are so public about it, um, which is, you know, it's like, are you scared at all? I mean, it's it's really rare yeah. to see someone so publicly you know, speak about, like, I guess, technically illegal sex work, right? Like, yeah, technically. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, I mean, this is me using my privilege, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, mm-hmm. I went to college for criminology, <laughs> the study of crime. Um, I'm a great fingerprinter. I thought I wanted to be detective when I was a kid. So I have my bachelor's in criminology and a minor in psychology or something like that. I don't even fucking remember. Because guess what, I didn't use it. I remember sitting in graduation at Portland State, I think it was 2013. And I've got my like green cap and gown. And I'm just like, damn, I hope we make good money at the club tonight. Like my heart isn't in this, you know, I don't want to work for the government anymore, or the state. And the guys yeah, in the city behind sure. me talking about how maybe they could get a job at like DHS or, or immigration or something. And I'm just like, Oh, my God, this isn't my world. So Um, Yeah, again, with not ever fitting in, like, I went to school to understand how the law functions, realized I don't want to work with that shit, because a lot of policies and laws hurt people. Um, We criminalize ridiculous consensual stuff like gayness, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, yeah, so it's just been very, very interesting to entirely pivot. But it's always kind of been about like, when I wanted to be a detective, it's because I wanted to find, you know, the pimps and the traffickers, because I think I probably would have had a really good time doing undercover shit. So being a stripper mm-hmm. is kind of like doing undercover shit when you're just meeting strangers mm-hmm. all day. Maybe you want to try to be the person they want you to be, you know? I think that's actually really telling,
0: not telling, but like a, a great metaphor of what you are doing. because. I, you know, like back to what I was saying earlier about how, like, I think that you do all these things and you don't do any of them traditionally. I feel like everything you're doing, you're undercover as the other things that you are. Right. Like, I mean, I, I think, I mean, even like your writing, for example, it's, it's, you know, like, I think, because of your sex work and because of all of these things that you are on social media, like it makes it super interesting to read what you have to say, right? Like that's automatically like, and, and I think, you know, through that, like you, like your writing has helped me personally immensely. Like that's how I became a fan of you. I didn't know anything about you until I read, a few things that you wrote. And then that's when I found you on social media. And I actually, so I think I went the other way for, um, oh, you know, the, see, perhaps amazing. how most people find you.
1: That's amazing to me. And, because, you know, Oh, can I fan back at you? Because I remember you, <laughs> well, I was really drawn to you because I hadn't seen any of your porn because I wasn't in a time in my life where I was consuming it. Like I, it just, I mean, I've worked in like adult video and done all the shit um, and like buying and I've seen so much porn and I love Porn in many ways, but I just wasn't watching it. But I was like, "Damn, this porn lady's really smart." Like, look at her. Your captions, <laughs> like you'd be watching Star Wars, and you're like just enjoying an indie flick, and the comments would be like, "That's not an indie flick." And I'm like, "Oh my god, people are so stupid." And she's just having fun with it, you know. <laughs> you know well, thank you. Um, look, look at us. Two, I know modern us.
0: people just
1: <laughs> right. So, can I um, tell you? Um, you said about um my I don't know what I would call it but uh so the path I've taken with how I approach my interests and my livelihoods so I would not recommend you know being so public um with a lot of things Mm. and then I tell you there's some really there's some fun um web rumors so because that I did all of these things where I'd kind of Infiltrate these conventional spaces, you know, trafficking meetings mm-hmm. hosted by Multnomah County Sheriff's Department. Um, I worked as a lobbyist for a couple years in Salem. And let me tell you about how mm-hmm. many Democrats are just as horophobic as Republicans. Um, I attended mm-hmm. community meetings that a licensed uh, therapist introduced me to that were held at the cop precinct. Okay. So it was meetings with mm-hmm. cops, um, district attorneys, social workers um community organizers whatever i was the first out sex worker at the table and that's why i started going um and it and how valuable
0: to have someone like you there for us for well, all of us
1: so so here's here's the kicker though is that i've had people who for i don't understand personal reasons whatever resentments or maybe i've offended them in ways i don't understand but i've had people um start rumors on the internet that i am a narc that reports sex workers to police yeah oh no it's it's yeah right Right. Oh my
0: God.
1: Right.
0: That's wow. My heart really goes to you for that because you know, just even by like reading everything you've written and like seeing you know who you are speaking to, you now it's it's very apparent that like that is the opposite of what you stand for. And thank you. Right. I mean, that's what you're fighting for, right? Right. It's been <laughs> very so.
1: So you know, and I'll and I'll cop to like in 15 years of being a published like writer, blogger, model person on the internet. I've said ignorant, problematic, stupid white people things mostly before I went into therapy, thank you, which was like 6 years ago. But there's stuff on the internet that I like look at and I'm like, "Ooh, you know, but we're allowed growth mm-hmm. and we're allowed accountability mm-hmm. and but it is very frustrating. I tell people now, I'm like, 90% of the stuff you read about me on the internet isn't true, but it's been perpetuated by some mean girl shit. So I just you know yeah. every time I hear a call out about someone in an activist or a nonprofit group or an organization, like I have to take it with a heaping like salt <laughs> serving. Grain of salt, yeah. There's a lot of infighting. <laughs> there's a lot of infighting. I that happens.
0: see that a lot as as well. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then you I guess know. like that's also because even within activism, I think there is you know such a thing as quote unquote success, right? Or like even finding um, a lot of you know like. I don't know if fans are the right word, but like, like you have a voice in activism. And I think there is like any form of entertainment, really. It's like there is jealousy there. There are people that want that voice. There are people that want that platform. I think, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, like even in something as good as activism, shit like that yeah. happens right?
1: right and i hear yeah. that from from elder um sex workers especially those who either worked in journalism um and i can think of a couple and they say you know that's why i kind of stopped covering sex work issues because i'd always upset somebody um because there's just a lot mm. of different about how things could be done so Like in 2013, 14, I was a part of a large group of live entertainers in Oregon where we actually passed a bill to create a hotline for live entertainers to call if they had like workplace grievances or needed support or guidance or something. And to me, that was a more valuable resource than like making an employee status mandate for like everyone in stripping or maybe like building a union because unions can also be corrupt. So I like to Mm -hmm. think of and not more guidelines. Um, because just, again, so much infighting when we all tried to sit down and agree on what this industry needs, there was like, well, I do want to tip out my bouncer because he'll give me better service or I don't because he should be doing his job. I do want cameras in the dressing room because someone might steal my stuff. I don't because I don't believe in surveillance state, you know, like, so
0: porn sees a lot of that too. I mean, obviously porn is not unionized, but it's, because of those very things that it's, you know, it's not that it hasn't been attempted, but it's, it's very, very hard, especially, you know, when you're working with your body and it's, it's everything is, you know, it, it always comes back to my body, my choice. Right. So, and that Mm -hmm. just, it's hard to make these generalized guidelines. It really, really fucking is. Yeah. But I I don't know.
1: If we all just Um, like healing and not infighting, it'll be a lot better.
0: (laughs) I think so. I think that's like a really good, mentality to have anyway is like I you know you said you're in therapy I'm also in therapy it's changed my whole life it's changed the way I communicate with people it's everything has changed in my life since I started therapy and perhaps everyone should do therapy is how I feel I um, wish one thing it. I really wanted to talk about is your writing actually and particularly two pieces that you have written have changed my life I um since discovering you I've had a kid Um, I have a one and a half year old and, you know, obviously I'm in porn, I'm in sex work. I think every day about how to talk to him about my career and just sex in general and how to raise, you know, a person in this world who has no shame around sex, et cetera, et cetera. And two things that you have written have helped me immensely. They've completely like been framework, I think, for how I will talk to him in the future. And anyone listening, I highly suggest you go find these pieces right now. They're on your, on your site, stripperwriter.com. One is called uh, How how I'll Talk to My Kid About Sex. Was that what it was called? I can't, Mm -hmm. let me find it. Yeah, I think I Um, named it
1: How I'll Talk to My Daughter, but I'm like, no, it's my kid. Daughter About Sex. Yes.
0: Um, And the other one is. The other one is I'm a parent making porn to make ends meet during COVID, Mm -hmm. Um, which is a lot more about motherhood than you would, the title would suggest. But um, I think both of these things were like really, really helpful. I I think, you know, even for me, I consider myself to be, it, it doesn't get more sex positive than me. I'm literally, you know, I do sex for a living. I love sex. I have, at this point in my life, I have very little shame around it um but when it comes to talking to my kid about sex it's very scary and it's it's there's so much shit to undo and it just sounds so complicated because of the way i was brought up but like reading these pieces that you wrote they it makes it very actually very simple i think um can we talk about that like yeah you're, please you're, oh how oh. how do you talk to your kid about sex how are they doing now like
1: yeah um Let's see, so um so like
0: how how old is your kid,
1: so she is eight, yeah, she's eight, um she knows that mommy works in sex, this is stuff you've read before, um it's funny the, I'm trying to think of like what has been recently relevant ask you can ask me whatever because I'm yeah, I'm having a hard time to think of examples right now,
0: can we start with a quote then maybe, like um mm-hmm. yes. I think yeah. one. One thing that you said that like really hit home for me, and I think I learned a lot from even not even just in the context of parenting, but just about shame in general was um, communicating about sex, which is I think something we are all really bad at, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. And only after having been in porn for like over a decade, am I finally comfortable asking someone how to eat my pussy for example and one thing you talked about was you know we have no problems saying things like hey can you make the temperature in here warmer or um you know like uh, can I I'm sad can I have a hug so there are all these ways that like we are good at communicating when it comes to how we want our bodies to be physically touched or treated Mm -hmm. um but and yet when it comes to sex like we are not very good at that and like so so you say in this piece that like you know when you teach your kid about it like you you just want to normalize it and basically explain that it's completely normal to tell another human being how you want to be touched mm-hmm. um
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i i don't know i just thought that was like so helpful
1: good um i can think of a a parallel like um how much of us like horseplay or wrestle you know, we like tactile play. And I have found it really useful to, um, we have a safety word um, so that we can play, you know, like a pretend struggle game because a lot of kids will initiate them, will initiate them where they're like, for example, um, we call her neck, her giblets. We always have <laughs> giblets are like part of a turkey gut. First, I don't know why we do this. But anyway, so we play this game where she's like, and she's been doing it. I mean, we've been doing this since she was like two, but, and so she says, get my giblets. And so I try to get in her little neck folds with, you know, my fingers or like my nose or my, my kisses or whatever. And she's like, no, no, cause it tickles. But if she really wants me to stop, then she can say, I think that our safety word is poodle. She, I let her pick it. You know, like you would in a safe word in sex. So the idea is we're teaching our kids to be able to say like, "No, this is when I want this to actually stop." And kids can teach us to that's such other. a valuable lesson because we don't live in a
0: world where no means no and 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 I'm not even saying that that's necessarily bad. It's just no is not a safe word. In, in any context, in any, like through daily life, like it's, you know, a lot of times no does mean try harder or say yes or what, or I think I should say no, but what I mean is, yeah, you know, like there's a lot of, it's mm-hmm. a lot more complicated.
1: Well, and it's fun um, say no. This is why so many sex, like this is why so much porn and erotica, like the whole bodice ripping term has to do with taking of the woman. And there's some theories as to why that's become more like permissible because it is like a rape scenario of sorts, but we're fantasizing about it. So it turns out there's like a lot of, um, there's a lot of like cultural reasons as to why, but we have a huge stigma around um, consent really, or not a stigma. We have a huge misunderstanding around consent. And then we wonder why sexual assault is so prevalent because we haven't given people the tools to like. Maybe communicate in a way where, um, when we talk about regrettable sex, so, um, you know, if someone's having a fear reaction and they go quiet and the other person is socialized to think that no would mean stop, they might not check in, they're not checking in with each other, so then there's a negative sexual encounter that doesn't look like a forcible, aggressive rape. But I know so many women and girls that are like, well, I just wanted it to end. So I either faked an orgasm or like, just didn't do anything, you know, let him finish. Um, the guy might have no idea. I think of Aziz Ansari. Mm-hmm. Hell all. I don't think Aziz yes. Had any, I idea. also thought of that. Yeah. I don't think he had any idea he was doing anything wrong, but then like around the same time, Louis CK came out and he was doing something different where he was jacking off and not letting them leave the room. That's a little more obviously like pushing on a boundary, but there's shades of how we hurt each other. And sometimes it's really hard for people to be able to, to understand what the other person's communicating. So I want to raise her from very early to be able to say like, no, I actually don't like this or, Hey, I like this, but I want to pretend I don't. Can you tickle me or whatever? You know, because this is the I love that. that. Right. We, we yeah, have, I, we I think have adults like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think consent is like definitely something we, our generation sucks at, you know, and I have been, that was actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you is like, how do we teach consent to children? And like, you know, I even think about, I've been reading a lot of things about how, you know, we totally force our kids to like, give their aunt or uncle a hug, right? Mm-hmm. When they don't want to, or any family member. And it's mm-hmm. it's, there's so much stuff like that, that I'm realizing now that I'm like, wow, we really don't like give these children agency over their own bodies.
1: Right. And so we, and wonder, we must, we wonder why also, um, you know, like how does domestic violence like perpetuate? Well, you're sending the message that even if you don't want to hug or kiss from this person, you have to do it because of who they are. Show respect to your elders or whatever. No, my kid yeah. has too much agency to be like, no, thank you, I don't want to kiss grandma, and I'm sorry if that hurts grandma's little heart, but it's a different time now, and I don't force my kid to touch people. So yeah,
0: yeah, and that's so obviously gross when you put it like that.
1: You know, yeah, and like, odds are she's gonna come around anyway. Once they know they're respected, this is usually what happens in in like. In surveys or like group activities or um, when you're doing workshops where people are warming up, if you tell all the participants or if you're getting a tattoo, if you tell someone that you have the option to opt out, people will relax automatically because they don't think they're, they're not going to be forced to do anything. So okay. we would all feel more relaxed if we all understood each other's consent. And also like some forgiveness for messing up, you know, like I've definitely learned by messing up where I worked in close quarters in a, it was a porn shop actually. Um, and we'd pass each other by and I put a hand on a coworker's shoulder. Cause I, I don't know, I was feeling like warm that day. And he turned, he's like, I actually don't like it when people touch me. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. So it's okay that I said, I'm sorry, but the better thing to say is thank you so much for telling me I won't do it again, or I'll try my, you know, mm. do it again. Cause we're going to mess up. Yeah.
0: I think that's that's actually a like a very weird thing going on in the world right now where like we are not really allowing people to fuck up. And I think that makes it especially hard for anyone in the public eye. And you talk about earlier about how, you know, you've said a lot of ignorant shit and of course you are a public person maturing in front of our eyes and evolving as a human being. Like mm-hmm. every, if, if we don't grow, then like, what the fuck are we even doing? Right? Like yeah. it's, that's you know,
1: it's not going to work. Right.
0: Agreed. I think it's so incredibly dangerous. And cancel culture is sending this message that, like, just don't fuck up no matter what, or like everything is ruined. And no, the message should be fuck up, but do your best to do better. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, mm-hmm. and you'll be rewarded for doing better. See, that's so why I, I-, I think that's.
1: Good. I'm glad you get it. No, this is why I do have hope for the future in terms of our culture, like even just our American culture, because I tried watching some television from like my parents' generation. I I sat down. I was like, let me see what Cheers is about. This was like three months ago. An entire like I got eight minutes in, but they're just sexually harassing Diane. (laughs) <laughs> what, what? they think she's a bitch I was like this is fucking terrible you know but then okay so my kid she discovered we don't watch a lot of tv but there was like the office on Netflix and I was like oh let's give it a go it's pretty like even keel most of it and yeah. like I was like oh my god like what a nightmare like this was a show we all watched but a lot of the Michael Scott character is a lot less funny these days because of our current like culture climate dealing with misogyny and racism all the shit but it's like culture is evolving. It's doing it every, every year, every decade. We're getting a little smarter, you know, Mm -hmm. the government's getting more restrictive and scary, but. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I think there's hope. We just can't keep canceling each other.
0: For sure. Like what, when do you think, what do you think is an appropriate age to start talking to kids about porn? Um, For example, does your kid know about porn?
1: I don't think she does. That's an interesting question. That's a good question. So I stumbled across my parents' porn when I was probably about, yeah, I was her age. I was like seven, eight. But my dad had, oh, this is actually a really interesting question. So I think she is aware of erotic nude imagery because I have a lot of it in books around the house. I can like see two examples right now. Um, Okay. but because. My parents, when I found my dad's Playboy magazines and his penthouse magazines, it was the only semblance of female sexualized nudity in the entire house. So of course I was like, wow, what the hell is this? You know, like, yeah, closest other sexy thing I saw was like probably a TV guide picture someone maybe. Um, But my house, I have dildos and phalluses and naked likenesses of people all over the place and books. And she has a couple of sex ed books that are um, illustrated for her age group, and I think her exposure to sexual, like sexually relevant information, is more. But it's not the sensationalized stuff, so she doesn't care.
0: Uh, yeah, I I do wonder. Like, wow, I can't, I cannot. I'm I'm literally I'm trying to put myself in her shoes, and I can't picture a world where like my introduction to the sexualized image of a woman's body is like, not this pornographic thing.
1: Yeah. Right? Or
0: like not this, I shouldn't say pornographic, but like, not this like, taboo thing.
1: Well, I mean, so like, and I have and like you, like I have a ton of images and videos and, and clips and stuff of me on my laptop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's- Work stuff. So, would I want her to like open up the glory hole like scene I just did? No, that might be really gross and kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm 33 years old. I don't want to see my mom doing that either. Yeah, I no, know. for sure. So, I think there's a difference between like this is offensive versus this just isn't relevant to me because of my relationship to this person. So, I'm not going to like show my kid my porn or anything, but. Um, she understands that um, people have sex and sometimes they do it in pictures or on video because other people like to watch because they think it's interesting. Um, very mm-hmm. similar to she knows mommy dances in her underwear or sometimes naked at a thing called a strip club because bodies are interesting mm-hmm. and people like to pay money to watch. So um, it's, but it's not sensational. So maybe like within the, you know, like within that frame, it's almost like when
0: you put it like that, it makes me like wonder if the answer to the original question is like, it's not even about like, how old do they have to be for you to start teaching them about porn? If, if, if nudity and sexuality are normalized in the household, if it's like a normalized concept, then maybe like, it's not even this thing of like when my child is 11 years old I must mm-hmm. sit them down and warn them of this thing called porn in the world. Yeah, they're going right? to know before they're
1: 11 like with the way media is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well true, but like it for almost sure. sounds like maybe the segue into like porn is just going to end up being a lot more natural for your kid or like right? Like Yeah. It,
1: yeah, it, I think so. I mean I think she has a kind of a, still like an 8-year-old's like vague concepts of what adults do at work um mm-hmm. or like what that could look like but I know that like mm-hmm. there was a I, th- I think it was a nature show on cuz we watched really really mild TV um like mild in terms of like slow and informative and not a lot of flashy like bang shit cuz she has sensory issues mm-hmm. sensory issues and yeah um, that was a rule I tried to do is like, if we're going to do screen time, it has to most of the time be educational. Um, but I was like reading mm-hmm. or doing something and I was hearing that the TV, they were talking about mating and my daughter, she looks, she's like, mommy, they're talking about sex. <laughs> like in case I missed it. Cause she knows that I work in sex. Like this might be a, a-, 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 a- <laughs> to you. I
0: was like, okay, I hear it. <laughs> Like she's looking out for you. Yeah, she's loving <laughs> me.
1: Oh my God. Oh, no. that's um, so cute. Right. So, I try to, you know, having exposure to the real world, like nature shows, has been very helpful for me because it's a lot of parallels. And you also will see things like gayness in nature, um, sex work in nature. Like, let's not forget about the penguins who will offer little pebbles or rocks for mm-hmm. a nesting partner. Yeah. Um, I think that might
0: be. Every sex worker's favorite animal uh, fact.
1: <laughs> yeah, the penguins. Uh, and she did, uh, somebody might hate this, but um, this was a new one for us. So I, since the clubs have been closed, I've been very, again, privileged and I planned ahead, but I have a home, I have a pole in my home. So um, I've been filming custom pole dance videos And it's been really fun for people like pick a song. You always want to see somebody dance to and I'll do my best. (laughs) Um, So I had a really crunched schedule. I was like bringing her to her dad's in like half an hour, but then I had to come back and film and I wasn't set up yet. And I was like freaking out. And I thought, I wonder if I can make this like age appropriate. So I'm like, Hey honey, mommy has to do a work thing. Can you help me move the furniture and set it up for filming? (laughs) And she was like, okay. (laughs) So <laughs> we had a really fun time and I showed her how to frame the camera. I'm like, okay, we don't want to get this wall. You know, she's like, mm-hmm. okay. So we did like a setup thing and she's not seeing me pole dancing naked. She's not going to see the footage. Right. It's a jungle gym as far as she's concerned, you know? Um, and then I like put the- music- I, I mean,
0: what is the difference between you showing her that and like, um, I I don't know, like- Steven Spielberg showing his kid how he sets up a frame
1: yeah right exactly yeah it's what she's seeing so um and it was and so I had the music on too and uh she's like oh are these the songs you're gonna dance to and I was like yeah these are the ones my customers chose and she's like oh I like this one better and then um I pushed it one further and I had my costuming out like just my bras and my thongs and my whatever's my shoes and um I was like, "Oh, I'm picking which outfit goes better with which song," and she says, "I think this song is more is better for the red shoes." <laughs> I was like, "I think so." <laughs> so oh, that's so that. cute! Oh my god, people will be like, "You're abusing your child," but like, how? <laughs>
0: Also, though, like, I understand I understand what you're saying, that someone might say something like that, and I understand that that might be the initial gut reaction, but I would urge that person to, like, take a second and think about why they think that's fucked up. Because the only reason they might think it's fucked up is because it's related to sex in any way, right? Right. But your kid didn't see you having sex or anything, even in the realm, mm-hmm. Right. I, There's nothing wrong with.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll add to that because you're right. If it has to do with sex, and I've noticed that when people have concern for her safety, I think it stems from their own trauma. So maybe their parents exposed them to s- sexual stuff that was not consensual. You know. So again, like I do check-ins. Like, what is appropriate? You know, even with my really progressive mm-hmm. attitudes. Um, so yeah, I try to have compassion for people who freak out at stuff like that, but I urge everybody to be mm-hmm. able to like take a step back out of their own trauma because again, that's how we mm-hmm. kind of cancel culture because a lot of people who mm-hmm. are in a place of rage and canceling, they're coming from their own trauma because they're like, that behavior is mm-hmm. for, so mm-hmm. worth noting.
0: And there's also, I think something to be said about like, we are, I think we're all like, our nervous systems are all like programmed to like kind of hate on whenever a woman is owning her own sexuality in any way or owning her own image in any way. I think like on a very subconscious level, we have all been taught that that's gross, right? Mm -hmm. Or that's wrong or inappropriate or overstepping some kind of boundary Mm -hmm. societally. And like, I think that's You know, I think it's our responsibility to all think about, you know, these gut reactions when we do have them, because, you know, even as me, like I've been important over 10 years and I still have that reaction sometimes when I hear things like that. And then I'm like, wait a second. What really what really is going on here? Because I don't believe that that is wrong in any way. If you think about it, how could you, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Good things. But to- um, we're wrapping up the hour and I know I, I know you have to go. Um, but I want to make sure that people know where to find you and like, how can they support you? And how can, I know that you've been creating a lot of content since the pandemic. Like, I, where can people yeah. find
1: that? Thank you so much. Um, so stripper, writer, that's my two main gigs, uh, .com. And then I'm on camsoda.com forward slash stripperwriter. If they don't kick me off Instagram, I'm still stripperwriter there. Uh, my old podcast we yeah. found, it's still good, com. Awesome. And I think
0: that if you go to stripperwriter.com, that's kind of like a hub for everything you do, right? Yeah, you, definitely. Absolutely. Promoting everything there. So sad that we even have to be like, oh, maybe my Instagram will still be up when this episode goes out.
1: I got flagged on (laughs) something that I posted like a week and a half ago in my story. I just got the notification for it this morning. Hold on. Sorry. I just got Mm -hmm. the notification for that this morning, which scares me. I'm like, how long do I like get in trouble before they spank me, you know? (laughs)
0: Unfortunately, I mean, I'm on my seventh account. I saw. Sometimes you get a warning and sometimes you don't, you know? and. It's kind of, like, at their mercy, which, you know, sucks Mm -hmm. when that's how you make your money. So Everybody go to
1: FOSTA and SESTA and try to get those crappy laws overturned because that's the reason why. That's the reason why. They said it would fight trafficking, but it actually made trafficking worse, and it censored a bunch of consensual sex workers, so...
0: I think a lot of times a lot of things that are under the guise of protecting sex workers, that's already something to be to look at um, no with a very skeptical eye. Right. So, you know.
1: If you see something that says it's anti trafficking, consider if it's anti porn in general because yeah, those people exist. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. success, and
0: ultimately anti-sex, and ultimately anti-women, right? So and
1: anti-gay, and anti-trans,
0: mm-hmm. and yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I'm for gonna this was fun and you boosted me up. <laughs>